I think if I could give everyone on earth one piece of advice, the most life-changing advice that I could offer anybody is to learn how to be kinder when you talk to yourself. Because we say things to ourselves in our own heads that we would never dream of saying to another person, things that are downright abusive and mean. And we live with those voices in our head 24-7, and it's just on constant repeat to the point where we start to believe it. So learning how to care and love for yourself enough to treat yourself with dignity and respect is the single most important thing that I think I could ask anyone to do. Do you need encouragement to turn tragedies into your own triumphant life story? If so, this podcast is for you. Listen to powerful guests who have persevered through challenges so you can gain strength to build your championship life. The host of Professor of Perseverance Podcast, Dr. James Perdue. Come on in again today, ladies. We've got stuff that comes in life, whether we expect it or not. What do we do? We try. We persevere. We get through it to have the best life possible. I mean, sometimes something's brought onto us, not because we asked for it, not because we wanted it, but some people throw it upon us. Like today, our guest is going to tell us how her fiance. That she uh, went to college with and stuff. They decided to go backpacking. And then, as old Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. <laughs> so welcome to the show here, Natalie Feynman. So I'm glad you're here. So we're glad and, uh, and stuff. So uh, yeah, we... Uh, we get things thrown upon us, upon us sometimes, not of our own encouragement, not because we ask for it. It just gives to us, and then we have to decide how we deal with this and move forward in life. So, had this fiance, uh, was for four years and everything? We were together for four and a half years, yeah. Okay. And decided he wanted to go backpacking and wanted to go with a friend. Now, Personally, first thing I want to stop there is go, if I'm inviting my fiance to go backpacking, I'm not taking a friend with me. <laughs> I have more than backpacking and fishing on my mind and Mother Nature's beauty. So I wouldn't be taking a guest with me on that one. You so, make an excellent point. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right. So y'all, y'all are going uh, backpacking and we'll let you uh, pick it up from here and get us in. Yeah. So I will, I will call him Alex. That's not his real name, but just to protect his identity. Um, he and I had been together for about four and a half years and he was, um, he was in the army ROTC at the time when we were in college. So he was a very like, take charge, follow me leader, leader kind of guy, which I loved. I thought that was great. Mm -hmm. Um, so we decided that we were going to go on a week long backpacking trip in big bend national park, which was about a thousand miles away from where we were both going to school. And he wanted to bring his roommate and between the three of us, my fiance, Alex was the only person who had a car and his car only had two seats. So I had a motorcycle that was my only transportation at the time and which I loved and, you know, a little inconvenient in the winter in Kansas where we were going to school, but uh, you know, you just kind of figure out ways to deal with it for short trips and stuff. But this was a, a much longer trip. So what we worked out was that um, my fiance and his roommate were going to be in the car 
and all of our gear was going to be in the back of the car and I would be on the motorcycle, uh, which worked out fine on the way there. Um, we actually, <laughs> we had a great time backpacking, but we ended up lost in the desert for about four days. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Because my follow me army ranger uh, yeah. <laughs> fiance decided that walking on the trail was boring. So let's go cross country. We and don't need so- no stinking map. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> the map didn't help us anyway. Um, so yeah, being young and naive and trusting, I just kind of followed him, and within half a day, we were lost. And then we spent uh, the next several days trying to find our way back to civilization, um, getting stabbed by cactus needles, and um, finally, just by stupid luck, just blundered across a trail marker and found our way back. The Rangers had been looking for us for like a day and a half because we didn't come back when we said we were going to, but hallelujah, we were saved. And uh, we decided that before we start the long trek back home, that um, soaking in a nearby hot springs was like a great way to kind of treat ourselves and relax and kind of recoup. Sound great, right? Oh yeah. So we go to this hot springs and it's like this big empty parking lot. And there's, there's a trail that goes along the side of a cliff and there's, there's like no room. There's, there's literally people with their back against the wall, like inching their way against the wall because it's two way traffic. And the other side is a sheer drop off. So the, you you have to kind of eke your way along the edge of this cliff for about a quarter of a mile or so. And then it just opens up and there's the hot springs. So I hadn't like changed out of my clothes or anything, but we, you know, we get in there, we're soaking, it's nice and relaxing. Now it's kind of starting to get dark. It's time to start going home. So we get out soaking wet, eke our way back across the the cliff face to the parking lot, which has no changing facilities whatsoever. And I'm on my motorcycle and I'm dripping wet and it's getting cold because, you know, it's the desert and it gets cold at night. So in front of uh, like 200 strangers, I, I stripped down to my bra and underwear to get some dry clothes on. I wouldn't go in any further than that, but I, I put my dry clothes on top of my wet undergarments, get back on the motorcycle, which has no windshield, by the way, and we start heading north. And the temperature drops after, as soon as it gets dark, and I just start getting colder and colder and colder. So about an hour and a half into this trip, I had noticed, or I thought I had noticed that like I'm following my fiance's taillights and and they seemed like they were swerving back and forth or I thought he was avoiding potholes or whatever. So I was just following. Turns out I was the one that was swerving because I had entered a state of hypothermia such that my my low body temperature had started to just kind of almost make, it almost makes you drunk. Like your, your perceptions are not normal. You're you're not able to react. You're not able to like, kind of like hold your focus. Yeah. So about, uh, you know, 90 miles or so away from the, the Texas Mexico border, he pulls off into this tiny little town with one stoplight and we pull into a pizza hut and I just, I couldn't even get off my motorcycle. Like they literally had to pick me up and help me into the restaurant. I was so chilled I, so I sat there with my hands wrapped around a hot cup of coffee and my fiance and his roommate across the table, like looking at me like I was going to drop dead at any second. And so Alex says to me, you need to go to the hospital. And I said, I can't go to the hospital. I have 35 bucks to my name and no health insurance. Just put me in the car with the heat on and somebody else can drive the bike for a while. And so they start looking at each other and whispering at each other. And, and my fiance says to me, 
if you don't go to the hospital, then I can't, I can't be responsible for you. And I'm afraid you're going to have a heart attack and, and something bad is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I said, I can't go to the hospital. I can't afford it. Just put me in the car with the heat on and I'll be fine. And so he takes his Pizza Hut placemat paper, turns it over, draws a map from Texas uh, back to Kansas where we were going to school, pushes it across the table at me. And he and his roommate get up, go out to the parking lot, and they throw all my stuff out the back of the car, and they get in the car and leave. I'm I'm literally a 1,000 miles from home. Yeah. I got my gear all over the floor of of the Pizza Hut parking lot, and they're getting ready to close. It's pitch dark. And like I said, I have 35 bucks to my name. And I'm like, what the heck am I going to do now? So... I, I figure out how to strap all my stuff back on my, my motorcycle, um, get back on, start start heading back home. And within 30 minutes, I was so cold again that I, I could not keep my bike in a straight line. And I'm like, I'm going to die. So here it's probably like 1130 at night. I just pull off to the side of the road, completely deserted, desert for miles and miles and miles around in every direction. And I just threw my sleeping bag on the ground and crawled into it and tried to fall asleep, which I couldn't really because I, my body was just it struggling so much because I was so cold. And uh, about two o'clock in the morning, a semi just goes blasting past me at however fast it was going, but the, mm-hmm. the wind from the semi knocked the motorcycle over on top of me as oh. I'm like mummified inside my sleeping bag, the rear view mirror snaps off on my chest so like I'm trapped under this got only like two, 300 pound motorcycle. And, uh, you know, so I had to like unbury myself and, and I, you know, I tried to go back to sleep. Next thing I know, I hear like coyotes sniffing around me and I'm like, oh, I'm man. Just not going to live through this. <laughs> so at first light, I, I get back on the motorcycle and I just, I just keep going and, and there's snow on the ground. I don't have any of my winter gear with me. I don't know how the heck I made it home, but, um, I finally, like three days later, finally made it home. And my, thank God for my roommates, they, they brought me hot soup in bed and took care of me and made sure I was still alive. And, um, I just, you know, when I was finally strong enough to like stand up and walk outside, this probably like three, four days later, I see, um, a note taped onto the gas tank of my motorcycle from my fiance saying, glad to see you made it back. Give me a call when you want to talk. I'm like, are you effing kidding me right now? And, you know, I actually called him just because I was in such disbelief that he just thought this was like a funny joke. And he thought that I was overreacting when I just laid into him and told him that I hope he burned in hell forever. Yeah, because in his mind, the the one thing I should have probably led with this, the one thing that bothered me about him in the four and a half years that we had been together was that anytime we would have an argument, he would just get in his car and leave and drive around for a couple hours. And then he would come back hours later, expecting that I would have forgotten about whatever it was that was still unresolved and then act like I was the crazy one because we hadn't fixed the thing that we were arguing about. And in his mind, this was just another time that he just walked out on an argument and he didn't see anything wrong with it. He thought that I was overreacting. Wow. No appreciation of the fact that he had put my life in danger and that I might not have made it home. Yeah, I mean, makes me wonder. 
I mean, thankfully you made it home. Thankfully, as safe as possible and healthy as possible and everything. But what if you know how people come up missing? And just wondering, would he to would he to gone? Well, I'd have done things different. Or if he just says, "Yeah, I tried." <laughs> Probably the latter. I mean, wow. That that was his pattern. Everything was always well. I did the best I could. Not my fault. And, um, you know, for, for several years, I was very traumatized by that whole episode. Number one, he was my fiance and I trusted him and I thought he was going to be there to take care of me and he wasn't. Um, and you know, I didn't, I didn't have any of my own resources because I thought he was going to be there to help me. I didn't bring extra emergency gear in case I needed it. And, um, that, that whole, that whole experience, like you said, you shouldn't have, you're going as a group, you should be coming back as a group. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that is, so when I look back at that, I, I was I was very victimized by that for a very long time. It took me years to be able to look at that and actually start to see even the the merest glimpse of anything positive out of that. But well, I, I, would, I would be I would be one of them. With, like you said, victimized. I, it'd be hard for me to trust another man talking to oh, me. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be hard for me to. Uh, yeah. Maybe not even a man. Almost anybody. Yeah, you know, okay. even a friend, uh, a woman, you know, and they're uh-huh. saying something, you're going, uh-huh, I've heard this before. Yeah, that know? was exactly what was going through my mind for years. But I, I was finally able to get enough distance from that incident to be able to see, you know, that actually forced me to uh, to start taking responsibility for my own safety, um, to make sure that I had my own skills and my own resources so that I don't have to depend on someone else to be there for me because that's mm-hmm. not always going to be the case. You know, yeah. it's, it's great to have people around you, but you have to be able to stand on your own two feet, even if you're by yourself. So it really made me a lot more independent, a lot more resilient, a lot more resourceful than I would have been if that had never happened to me. And also, you know, thank God that happened because he showed me who he really was after four and a half years. And it wasn't that those four and a half years were wasted yeah. What if I had married him? What if we had been together for 20 years, 30 years, had kids together, and then one day I get a cancer diagnosis and he's like, peace out. Yeah. Just when I need him the most, you know, and, and what yeah, I'm Yeah, it definitely make you uh, wake up. Oh, yeah. The situation. And then when you were waking up and you're, you know, you phone, you give me that phone call. Uh, but before you get that phone call, did you think that explains this, you know, a certain way he treated you earlier in the oh, year. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. This explains another time. Wow. Now yeah. that I think about it, good gracious, I can't believe yes. that happened. Exactly. Uh, so, okay. Okay. And again, that forced me to kind of take a step back and ask myself, why did I ignore all these red flags? He was, he was sending me signals all yeah. these years. He's been sending me signals. He's been hinting at who he really is. And why did I ignore it? Why did I talk myself out of it? Because I didn't trust myself enough that, I, I superimposed his judgment and his needs on top of mine because I made him more important than me. So Okay, I so now after the trip, after the phone call, after you say time got passed, you were able to put it at a distance, you finally started thinking, you know, it really wasn't as bad as it could have been. And I did make it through that. It did make me a better, stronger person. Uh, so uh, go through some of that with us. 
Yeah, well, like I said, I I was a very trusting, naive person. I just always kind of assumed that I would never really have to step up and deal with any kind of a crisis like that because somebody would always be there to help me. And that showed me that that's not always going to be true. And not always the damsel in distress yeah. is coming with the... <laughs> <laughs> My prince charming. That that's right, the white knight or whatever. Yes, yeah. yes. I mean, it's it's wonderful to have people that you can rely on, but it's also super important to make sure that if you don't have anybody, or if they if they don't show up for you the way that you need them to, that you're going to be okay. That you can still take care of yourself. And at, from that moment on, I really prioritized making sure that I learned the skills that I needed to be able to take care of myself to change my own tire. Uh, yes. To be able to have my own maps and know where I was at all times and have an emergency credit card stashed somewhere in case I needed it. And, um, you know, just just to be able to prepare for the worst, but to hope for the best. And that actually, in, in kind of an odd way, it, it did serve me well. After I moved to Florida, The first, almost the first thing that happened to me was I was hit by Hurricane Andrew. I lived in South Miami. Oh. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing about that is I had lived in Kansas for 10 years and never saw one tornado. And within one year of moving to Florida, I got hit by a Category 5 hurricane. Yeah. And everybody <laughs> everybody around me, when I'm watching the weather report and I'm watching this giant monster just churning straight at me, and I'm thinking, I better go get some supplies. I need water. I need batteries. I need non-perishables. So I run to the store. Nobody else is buying anything. There's not like anything missing off the shelves whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I just start shoveling stuff into my cart and everyone in the grocery store is looking at me going, you're overreacting. It's going to turn. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm like, I hope I don't have to worry, but I want to be prepared just in oh, case. Yeah. So uh, I got they're going the- like, they're going like yes, they're nudging the person beside me and they're going, yeah, look, look at this idiot. I, <laughs> well, maybe not eat it, but they're going, they're going, look, an out of, t- out of towner. Yep. Exactly. (laughs) So, you know, I I get all the stuff that I need and I'm watching the news and it's getting closer and closer. And then 12 hours from landfall, it hadn't turned yet. And now people are having riots outside of the grocery stores and Home Depot because all the supplies are gone and there's not enough for everybody. So, you know, preparedness, without taking it overboard and, and becoming like a crazy prepper hoarder or anything like that. I, I, I always want to make sure that I have what I need so that I can take care of myself if something unexpected happens, at least for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. And also that I have the skills to, to make sure that, that I don't need someone to come and take care of me or that I could provide help to somebody else if they need it. I'm all for women being as independent as possible, being able to take control. I mean, I don't think the man has to be today anyway. The man doesn't have to be the leader of everything. That it should be a equal equal. Mm-hmm. Uh, may again, may may never be a fifty fifty, but it ought to be a forty five fifty five something in there. You know, <laughs> but uh, uh, it you know, and it, where I'm strong at. She may not be where yeah. she's strong at. I may not be, and exactly. we're helping each other. So I'm all for uh, anybody, and especially women, being as independent as possible because of uh, stupid stuff that may happen. Exactly. I remember, I remember back in the early 1970s that um, women then were wanting more independent, and they're burning their bras and everything. And <laughs> and I remember burning my mom's bra out there because I was supporting them back then. 
that's how bad. Yeah, I was supporting them way back then because oh, my mom, my mom was a single mother raising three boys, mm-hmm. and so I know how independent and strong women yeah. have to be for her to be able to raise three boys. Yeah, and we all turned out pretty good. Single so, mothers are superheroes. Yes, they there, are. There is no other way to describe what they do. And it's not just the um, single mothers, single dads, you know, to take mm-hmm. on all their responsibility yeah, yes. because whatever. It's just anybody single is able to raise their kids and raise them the best that they can to their ability and everything turned out okay. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm all for yeah, yeah, none of this. I'm not, I'm not into this. I'm the man you're going to forget that crap. (laughs) Forget all that. Like how many stories I hear about women who trust their husbands, let their husbands take care of everything for them. And then the husband leaves or the husband passes away or, or something happens. They don't even know how to pay the bills. Completely lost. They don't even know how much money they have, or like you said, how to, how to handle their bills or how to take care of anything. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying not to trust your partner. I'm just saying, I'm saying trust your partner, but learn how to handle things yourself if you have to. Don't yeah. give your power away. That That's really, I think, the biggest takeaway that I that I had from, from my experience and that I'd love to pass on to your audience. Don't give your power away. Yeah, you know? love is strange, but let's not make it too strange. Mm-hmm. You know, not where it's, uh, where those saying love is blind or whatever. No. Nah. You better get some bifocals or something <laughs> to, keep, to keep it where it's not blinding you. So, um, yeah, but I'm, I'm all, all for this, man, yeah, that uh, women be strong, do what they can, because if a man's not there or their significant other's not there, they know what to do, how to handle, at least make phone calls if nothing else Yeah, know, that they yeah. can help them uh, if they can't. Yeah. Uh, It's a big reason why I've been into the martial arts for most of my life, because I feel like the statistics say that one in four women will be assaulted at some point in their life. And you're not always going to have a big, strong man who loves you standing next to you. In fact, your your predators are going to wait until you're alone on purpose. Exactly. They they know who to pick. I've I've interviewed enough women that's been abused and and they'll basically say the same story. Mm -hmm. And uh but those predators, they know who to pick out of the crowd. Yep. They'll go talk to everybody there. And the one that's shy, hesitant, dependable, that's when they're going after. Yeah. One is standing tall, standing straight. I can change my own tire. Hey, I can stand up and pee with the best with all the men. And uh, they stay away from them. That's true. Yeah. They, 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 go, after, they go after. They go after. someone you know, easier. <laughs> yeah. Do what? It's too much work to pick on the girl that can take care of herself. To exactly. Easier. And they know they won't get what they want mm-hmm. without too much of uh, without a great fight mm-hmm. where they know the others are not going to back talk them. They're not going to do anything. So really would encourage, like you said, any, any, especially women, mm-hmm. find your strength, get your self-defense courses. Uh, I interviewed one woman. She was, uh, she's considered one of the first women, Ninja. Huh. She she really got into martial arts and ninja type stuff. Ninja too. That's nice. And yeah, and she's yeah. certified in that, and she's one of the first or only. I maybe maybe more women now, but at that time she was the first one considered ninja. So that's, that is that amazing. Was, that was all. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So I all women, you really need to take an extra step to be able to take care of yourself. 
Mm-hmm. And again, you just, you hope you don't have to, but it may come to That's where right. you're going to have to. You know, one of the biggest advantages that martial arts training has given me is just situational awareness, being able to pick out where's my danger zone, where's trouble going to come from, what's my exit. Um, that and also learning how to fall without hurting myself has saved my butt. I can't even tell you how many times I've gone flying over the handlebars of my bicycle. I've mm-hmm. slipped on wet rocks while hiking. And I just I just roll without even thinking about it. And I... I probably would have broken so many bones by now, if not for my martial arts training. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's awesome that uh, it, where you could have been on the thousand mile journey has mm-hmm. really put you into a, a lot better perspective and better place for you. Uh, yeah. yeah, again, if nothing else, you're talking about uh, with this uh, getting this uh, martial art training and stuff. I mean, it teaches you to try to avoid. The unnecessary bad places, you know, don't park the last parking place in the parking lot where there's no lights. Or next gonna, to a big white van with no windows. With no windows, <laughs> that's right, next to it. And they come out with a wheelchair. Can you help me? Uh-huh. You know, who was, who was that, Michael? Was that? No, that was what's his name? Ted Bundy, I think, used yep. a wheelchair one time in Florida. And yeah, and yeah. Didn't got someone, yeah, so... Wow, this is uh, well, this is amazing, uh, Natalie. I appreciate you coming on, sharing your journey with us. Thank you um, for having me. You know, no, you've you've you done very well, and um, taking what could be, and like you said, a dramatic. I mean, t- situation, and you could have curled up in a ball and mm-hmm. just said, "This is the way it is," and I'm not going to trust anybody ever again. But, mm-hmm. but instead, you learned from it took necessary steps that you don't fall back into that trap again and you're going to be a great leader for other women oh thank you no no doubt about that that uh, other women ought to be listening to you and taking notes and figuring things out for you so um all right natalie do you um have a website, any yeah, social media, sure you have do. a book or anything that, uh, if you don't have a book, you need to get you a book. I'm telling you right now, oh, uh, get it out there. About. I don't have a book, but I have always kind of wanted to write one. So I, I may take your advice, but yes. So what I do now, I've, I've been a veterinarian for 32 years, but I have transitioned into life coaching. And um, the message that I have learned from my life coach training has, has been so transformational that I, I feel like it's a moral imperative for me to bring that to as many people as possible. So my website is nolimitscoachingnow.com. And uh, from my website, you can see uh, there's a button to send me a message. There's a link to join my Facebook group if you're so inclined. I have a newsletter that I publish um, every week that has just some um, motivational tips and what I call truth bombs. And um, I, I publish a new video every week. And there's also a free resource on my website um, for women, especially who struggle with self-judgment, which I think most of us probably have that issue. And I, I did and I still do as well. Uh, but learning how to silence the voice of self-judgment has been life-changing for me. And I, I want to be able to give that gift to as many people as I can. Awesome. And I believe you can. Thank so, you. Uh, mentioning here a second ago about friends, that um, I tell people that you, you ought to have three types of friends in your life. One of them is going to be the one that's 
going to be there for you, talk with you, going to lie to you a little bit, you know, does this make me look fat in this? Oh, you, it's great. It's beautiful. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here's the saddest thing. You're going to need one person in your life that's going to do everything they can that they want to be in your life, that they'll do everything. Oh yeah, you're beautiful. You do, you, and I just, I want to grow up and be just like you. And everything. and that's just so to boost our own ego. Mm-hmm. There's days that we're going to talk to them and they're going to say something that's going to boost our ego. All right. But then you need that third person that says, no, damn it. That's not, no, you don't look good in that. And don't take it personally. They're going point blank honest with you mm-hmm. where the others are trying to be your buddy, buddy, and they're afraid they'll offend you. And, right. and, and but yeah, someone, so to which keep, one really has your best interest in mind? The one who's yeah, telling yeah, you the yeah. truth. That's right. Uh, yep. But again, I think you still need the other one because <laughs> when the other one's being point blank, you want that other one to come build your ego back up a little bit. So, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, that uh, somebody's looking up to you and want to grow up and be like you, and they're watching every step you do, and they're seeing how you handle your tragedy, and they're going to learn from it, and they're going to be able to handle their situation when it comes. So. All right, Natalie, I appreciate you being here. This has been an awesome story. Again, I'm glad. To, I, I love hearing the turnaround, how well everything come out, everybody come out of it. Thank I mean, you. I've, I've heard some stories, and, and it's hard. To, and this is just as equal. How, how, how do you get a 1,000 miles away, and you're uh, hypothermia, and, and how do you make it back? Good gracious. So, uh, But I'm glad, glad that uh, – Found a new and better you over the uh, it's uh, situation. So thank you. All right, everybody else, uh, be sure to uh, go to our website. I'll put this stuff in the uh, show notes, make it easier for people to thank find you. and go from there. Um, Natalie, we know people that are hurting and struggling today. If you can leave us with a positive message, mm, that'd be great. Yeah. I think if I could give everyone on earth one piece of advice, the most life-changing advice that I could offer anybody is to learn how to be kinder when you talk to yourself. Because we say things to ourselves in our own heads that we would never dream of saying to another person, things that are downright abusive and mean. And we live with those voices in our head 24-7, and it's just on constant repeat to the point where we start to believe it. So learning how to care and love for yourself enough to treat yourself with dignity and respect is the single most important thing that I think I could ask anyone to do. Amen. Yeah. We are much far, much more judgmental (laughs) and hard on ourselves, way beyond the next person that says you can't do that or you shouldn't do that. Or why do you even try to do that? We're already in our own heads questioning things already. Mm -hmm. So yeah. That's a great message, and I appreciate you putting that out, Natalie. Yeah, absolutely. I would never say to my best friend, you don't deserve to be happy, but I, I used to say it to myself all the time. Yep. It's just so, tragic. There you go. Yeah. That's beautiful. I like it. like the message there, Natalie. All yeah. right, everybody else, hey, thank you. Be sure to check Natalie's website out. Again, I'll put it in the show notes, make it easier to get to it, and we'll go from there. Hey, everybody else, I'm Dr. James Perdue, the Professor of Perseverance. Thank you for listening to the Professor of Perseverance podcast. It wouldn't happen without you. Well, maybe without you, maybe, but I don't want to say that out loud too much. It wouldn't be here without Natalie and all the other guests sharing (laughs) their journey and their stories and helping us see there is a brighter light and we can still have a good life. Amen. Natalie, thank you for everything. Everybody else do something today, tomorrow, something next week. 
that's going to help you persevere past your paralysis. Thanks for listening to the Professor of Perseverance podcast. For motivation, inspiration, and encouragement. For more information, go to Facebook at Professor of Perseverance. Visit the website at ProfessorofPerseverance.com and view the YouTube channel, Dr. James Perdue, Professor of Perseverance.